0: Welcome to King's Eye. Super glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, welcome. If you're watching at home online, welcome. Uh, We are—I don't know—in week whatever we're in of a series on relationships, and so we talked to the single people first. Now we're talking to the married people, and uh, I would just encourage you to keep your elbows to yourself throughout the message this morning, because last week we brought up conflict that our couple was seeing in the book Songs of Solomon, and what I really wanted to end last week with was just this passion to say, hey, when you go home and you're going to fight, because I don't know if you heard this or not, but married people fight, and when you go home and you start fighting, I want you to fight for each other and not with each other. And that's a huge, huge difference. But I didn't give you a lot of wisdom on how to fight. So that's what this message is all about. Kind of what happened is uh, I have needed a lot of help in my marriage to figure out how to fight with my wife. And uh, so I want to share a lot of the wisdom I've learned over the years from both God's word and other people. That's what I'm going to share today. Because what I found is I would meet in my office with people and, you know, we'd unpack this over a couple hours or a few weeks of sitting down together. But it's hard to do that with over a thousand people, like, you know, one-on-one, there's not enough hours in the year. And so I was like, what if I could take the same content and just give it to you? And what's going to happen? It's going to be like riding a bike. Right? The first few times you get on, you stumble, you fall, you trip. You probably get a bruised knee. Everything is worse, not better, and you think that pastor is crazy. But if you'll just keep practicing what I share with you today, it will get better. I know because I have to live it myself. As recently as this past week, so uh, it was a hard week. There were a lot of things going on in my world, things I won't go into here. But I was stressed. And so there came a night where they're doing an event for the kids here at the church, and I brought my little guy to the church, and I was finishing this sermon. So it's all top of mind. And you'd think because I'm the one teaching you what you should do, that means I always do it. I wish that were the case. But then my wife and I had this little text conversation. My wife texts me after I arrive at the church, and she says to me, you okay? You kind of snapped at me before you left. I've got a choice now. Do I tell her why I snapped or do I own it? So I said, I'm sorry. I'm stressed. It doesn't make it okay. It's just feeling really overwhelmed. To which she says, thank you for opening up to me. I love you, Matthew. I'm here, however I can help. I'm so sorry you have so much on your plate. Isn't she amazing? And then she says, I have pizza for you. And so if you get nothing else out of today... And you want to resolve whatever conflict you have, whether it's with your spouse or your kids or your parents, a neighbor, a coworker, just try pizza. If everything else fails, I literally watched a video of a guy, and I think this is a terrible idea, but it was funny, right? He's literally having a spat with, I don't know, his girlfriend, his wife, his fiance, I don't know where she is. And she's just going off, and he's got the video camera recording her just going off. She says something like, that's it, I'm done, I'm tired of it, we're done, we're through, I don't want to do this anymore, and he's like, I know, baby, I know, I'm sorry, I know, I know, it must be hard. And she keeps going, he's like, I know, I know. He's like, hey, I'm going to go by such and such restaurant on my way home. Um, I'm, you, you want me to bring you some food? She keeps going, No, I'm not playing, I'm serious, we are done, I don't want to do this anymore. He's like, I know, I know, do you want some tacos? She says, you know I want tacos. <laughs> and he says, what kind of tacos do you want, baby? And she says, I want blah, 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 blah. She gives her order, he says, okay, i see you in 20 minutes, I love you. She says, I love you too. If nothing else works, try tacos. I mean, <laughs> that, that's free marriage advice. All right. So <clears throat> I realize if you're single today, you may be thinking this doesn't apply. Listen, everything I'm going to share today, everything I'm going to share today is wisdom that will apply in every relationship in your life. But it's going to be like drinking from a fire hose. This is like what you would get at a seminar, but I don't have time for that, so I'm going to be going quickly to get you everything you need, okay? One of the things we've been trying to do in the series is resource you. We put together a number of resources. At right, Event Corner, you can find all of those resources. We've got a date night box to help you. If you don't even know what to do on a date night besides just dinner and a movie, we've got a date night box you can buy online. It's not ours. We didn't put it together, but you can get information about it. We've got uh, information about Care to Change, a local Christian counseling office. We love them. We partner with them all the time. You can get more information about them out there at the Event Corner. And also about this Weekend to Remember. There's this thing called Weekend to Remember. Uh, you You could text the word marriage anytime to 317-565-4911. And um, what these are is they're little weekend getaways that are intended to help couples kind of renew and restore what's broken in their relationships. And we actually have some free tickets to give away. So if you text that number, you're going to get a little form. We'll ask you some questions about how we could better come alongside you, but then just give us your name and email, and then we're going to pick some out. We're going to hand out free tickets to a weekend to remember retreat. And they're happening all over, around the United States all throughout the years. There's one in Indianapolis next spring. So if you don't want to wait that long, there's in an Arizona and other places, I believe, coming up between now and then. Anyway. In case you weren't sure what a weekend to remember looks like, it's just a romantic getaway that probably looks a lot like this. A man has ruined a weekend away with his girlfriend by saying what he was thinking. <laughs> Our reporter Emma Bradford is at the scene. Martin Bishop and Eleanor Shaw had stopped at a cozy country pub after a romantic walk when Ms. Shaw looked up meaningfully at Bishop and asked what he was thinking at that very moment. <laughs> The weekend was about to go very wrong indeed. I was hoping he would say, maybe this would be a great place to bring the kids one day. (laughs) Or even something corny but sweet, like I have everything I'll ever need right here. And what did you say, Martin? I said, pigs are much bigger than you expect. One of them was so big, you could ride it. (laughs) More from us later. (laughs) Gets me every time. All right, so I can't help you uh, if you're wired like me, and you aren't missing moments. My wife is notorious for telling me How how can you be so, that's what you thought the right thing to say right now would be? So I don't have a lot of advice for you because I haven't figured that out myself. But I do want to encourage you, okay? If you're going to work through conflict in your marriage, you're going to have to be a person who knows they need to grow. If you haven't noticed, when you walk into this room, out in the hallway, we have a number of words on the wall, and then we have definitions for those words. What we call those is our cultural behaviors. What that means is, as a Christian, we believe this is what God has called us to be and do in the world. And one of those phrases on the wall out there is, grow always. And the way we've defined that is, we are always learning and growing. We don't have everything it takes, but God does. He does. So we humbly and intentionally ask for help and feedback so we can be better. I believe that is crazy biblical. Not only do I need feedback from God, that's why we open his word every single week so we can hear how I might be more like Jesus Christ. But also, I get that feedback from others. Now, part of what breaks in marriage is when there's a conflict moment and somebody is providing feedback. First of all, they may not be providing it in the best way. We'll get to that. But when they're providing feedback, instead of listening to grow, instead of taking the approach of humility that says, I need to get better at this, I immediately get defensive and I'm waiting for my turn to tell you why you're wrong. And what would it look like if instead there was a group of people who said, you know what? My spouse, even if they aren't doing it the best way, they actually want what's best for me. And so I'm gonna listen to what they're saying in a way that I ask, how do I get better? Because here's what the scriptures say. Proverbs chapter nine, verses eight and nine says this. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. So... You'll see this throughout the Proverbs. There's often a contrast and a compare. If you're righteous, you'll be like this. If you're a fool, you'll be like this. Fools and mockers go together. If you rebuke a mocker, you all know this. Like as soon as you say that, someone comes to mind. It might be a sibling or, or perhaps a parent or a coworker, or a neighbor, a child. You know someone that when you rebuke them, they do not receive it. No matter how much time and effort you put it to it, they will not listen. If you don't know anyone, that's a really bad sign actually because it might be you, all right? But a wise person will love you when you rebuke them. What? Who's that? Well, because a wise person knows that they need to grow wiser still. This is in the scriptures, guys. A wise person knows they don't know everything they don't know. And it just might be that God put that person in your life, your spouse, to help illuminate it for you. And so here, I want to start with this understanding, which I I said a few weeks ago, and I'm just going to stress it today by highlighting it. If you're sitting here today and you're like, oh, why didn't we come today? First of all, it would probably be wise, to keep your elbows to yourself. But every family has a toxic moment, every single family. It's how we handle the toxicity that determines if we are healthy or not. And that word healthy gets thrown around a lot. A lot of us are running around chasing in unhealthy ways healthy things. But let me just start with this principle you're going to have a bad moment or a bad day at some point. You're going to have a moment of contention, a spat, a moment where you didn't handle things the way you should have. You're not continuing to handle things the way you should be. And so when that happens, what are you going to do with it? And it's how we repair those things that really makes everything different, makes us healthy or unhealthy. So if you're unhealthy right now and you're in a bad pattern, how do we disrupt that pattern and create a new habit and a new pattern out of it? Proverbs 18, excuse me, one and two says, an unfriendly person pursues selfish ends. Before we read the rest, let's just stop there for a second. You could insert into here, instead of unfriendly, you could say an unhealthy person pursues selfish ends. Ask yourself this question real quick. Is what's broken in my marriage or in my home that I am being a selfish person? Perhaps you've been hearing that lately a lot. You just haven't acted on it. The word narcissism gets thrown around way, way, way too much in my uh, very unexpert opinion. Anybody who acts in a selfish way, we classify, it seems like, as a narcissist today. There truly are some people who are narcissists. Whenever somebody isn't a true narcissist, we say, well, they have narcissistic tendencies. Well, that's called selfishness, and we all have it. Every single one of us has a tendency to do what I want to do when I want to do it. My last pastor, who was one of my greatest mentors, he used to define laziness that way. It's doing what I want to do when I want to do it, instead of doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done. And I think there's something to that, but we all have that. That's called sin. Every single one of us has it. And I am convinced, so men, I want you to get this, I am convinced that God has wired you to be the leader in your home. The analogy I used years ago, and it's just stuck with me ever since, if you take a power strip, you know those things we plug the Christmas lights into? If you take a power strip, right, the strip goes into the wall. That's supposed to be you. You're supposed to be plugged into God, getting what you need from him so that you have the patience, the kindness, the faithfulness that you need in your life so that your kids and your wife can plug into you to get what they need when they need it. That doesn't mean that wives don't co-lead with you in the home. Of course, they are doing so many things. But that means on their worst day, they could come to you and you're a safe place to receive the life of Jesus Christ through you to them. And on your worst days, you're going to be the first one to do everything else I'm about to tell you. Against all sound judgment, they start quarrels. So a selfish person, no matter how much I say or your life group says or your friends say or your book says or whatever you're speaking to, and they're like, stop fighting. They just start quarrels. And some of you know exactly how this feels. In fact, the reason you don't want to go home and face what's at home waiting for you is because you know a fight is waiting for you. Take that to note. If that's the situation you're in, then it's time to practice everything else I'm gonna say today. It's time to have some hard conversations. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Man, let that one sit for a second. How many fights in your home would go away if you would just stop airing your opinion? Or if they would, right? But you can't change them. Who can you change? You. We do so much damage by just speaking out loud what we think about everything instead of weighing things. There's a reason why in the book of James, James says that a a wise person controls their tongue. In fact, anybody who can control their tongue can control their whole body. And if you're struggling to control your tongue, you aren't going to have the self-control needed to get the job done on the rest of your body because it's by far the hardest thing to control. And everybody who's being honest knows That is so true. There's a reason why it's in the Bible. It is so hard to control my tongue and not lash out and not speak my opinion and not say what's in my head and wait for the right moment and say the right thing at the right time that really builds you up. What would happen in our relationships, especially our marriage relationships, where we didn't just share our opinions, but we shared what was useful for the building up of others. Now, I want to share a passage, and uh, every woman in the room is going to be offended, okay? Okay and I'm not intending to offend you, first of all, it's scripture. And what that means is when you read a scripture that offends you, you ought to ask yourself this question, does this ever apply to me? Instead of saying, oh yeah, I know who that's about, Don't worry about if it's about somebody else. Ask yourself the question, is it about me? But then men, you keep your elbows to yourself because I want to come back with something at the second on the back end of that same passage. Ready? All right, that's my prep. And ladies, please give me grace because you know I love you, right? If you don't, please know I love you. If you're visiting, I love you. This is the Bible, all right? Here we go. Proverbs 27, verse 15 says, a quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm, right? It's like, first of all, it's already raining outside. It's already a bad day. And now the water's coming through and it's just drip, 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 drip. And you're like, what am I supposed to do about this? Am I supposed to go out in the middle of everything being terrible and fix this problem? Like, what am I really gonna do? It's just annoying. So now I'm stuck inside waiting for everything else to get better. And now I gotta deal with this person who won't let it go. That's the analogy. And then it goes on and he says, restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. Imagine a, a bowl of oil. If you reach it and grab it, how much of that are you gonna get? None. Now imagine trying to grab the wind, which uh, Solomon loves this analogy, right? It's meaningless. Like there's no hope for you. If your marriage feels hopeless, wives, I want you to just ask the question Am I a quarrelsome wife? Am I the person that picks and pokes and prods and annoys and I just, I'm, I'm like I'm just constantly dripping? Now, before you get mad at me, the very next verse. The very next verse, verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I am convinced there is nobody else in your life who should be able to sharpen you more than your spouse, your husband or your wife. And I don't think it's an accident that Solomon put that verse right after the other verse. Because men, how many of you, when I read that last passage, you thought, there it is. Thank you, God. Thank you Pastor Matt, for talking about the real problem in my home. But the truth is, God put an amazing woman in your life to sharpen you, to make you better. Do you ever look at the process of sharpening, right? You've got maybe this this one piece, like today, like I've got this like metal pole thing that comes with our knife set, right? And you can pull out that knife and a shing, shing. And if you're doing it right, like sparks can fly. But that's how things get sharper. Sometimes it gets heated. Sometimes it can get very, very hot. But the goal is to make it better, more effective. So what would it look like if you were to approach the conflict in your home as I'm sharpening them, they're sharpening me, not as this is a nagging, quarreling person who won't let it go. See, if I have that perspective, then when they speak, I still think they are the problem. But what if the problem is I have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy And he's trying to find ways to get in there and create problems for us, for me, and our home. Not too long ago, a few months back, um, April Bordeaux at Care to Change, uh, she's, I believe, the director there, she asked me to come and do a podcast. She was interviewing some of the pastors in the area, and she asked me to do one of them. You can find it on their podcast channel. And um, (laughs) we were supposed to do like 20 minutes, and we went over an hour. I know that'll shock everybody who comes to Kingsway. (laughs) Um, but she messaged me this week, a thank you note, and said, it was the most listened to podcast in the series. And I was like, that's super cool. Yeah, no, you don't even get, you know, no, 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 give credit to God, please. But, but she said this in the podcast, and I literally, told, I just listened to it this week, but Ooh, I'm going to steal that. She says this, the rift isn't as important as the repair. And I was like, oh, April, that's good. I'm going to steal that. The rift isn't as important as the repair. And what she means, she said, "Oh no, I stole it from somebody else." So I don't know, I don't know who to quote. But the whole idea is, what we're fighting about is significantly less important than what we're going to do to fix it. But see, if our focus is on what went or on the brokenness and not on the repair work, then we'll keep fighting to prove them wrong. We'll fight to win instead of fighting to resolve. So what I want to do now is just spend the rest of our time together, and I want to give you very, very practical steps so that you don't ever have to meet with a pastor. You don't have to go to Care to Change. If you'll just go home and practice what I'm about to tell you, it could revolutionize your home. Ready? Now, this will all be online, so you can go back because you'll be a hard time keeping up. Number one, you have to ask yourself these questions. So in our home, we have some rules. We have a lot of rules. I don't have time to cover them all. But one of the rules in our home, if you mess up, you fess up. If you mess up, you fess up. What that means is, in a perfect world, when you are the one who has done wrong to somebody else, you be the one to go and admit, I messed up. I hurt you. I offended you. I yelled at you. I said that about you. We do this with our kids. We do this with each other, my wife and I. When you mess up, you fess up. Now, when that happens, it's great. Like, if somebody comes to that conclusion on their own, but it doesn't always happen that way. I used this years ago in a marriage series we did, but I'll tell it again. I remember I had two little boys. I don't believe we had the third one at the time. I believe my boys were around four and three years old, my two oldest at the time, give or take. Might have been five and four, somewhere in that ballpark. And I was outside. I was trying to get something done on this playground equipment that I was building for them. I had a very small window to get it done in, and it was Saturday, and it was hot, and I was tired, and I was worn out. You hear my excuses? I've got a really good set of excuses. I don't remember what happened, but my wife came out and said something to me, and I was already irritated at the project, but instead of just taking out of the project or taking a deep breath, I yelled at my wife from the other side of the yard. Now, I don't believe that yell was big enough for the whole neighborhood to hear, but definitely if um, a couple of houses around us could have heard it. Now, I went back to work, and I'm steaming mad, and I'm just, you know, and then the Holy Spirit starts to say, you know you need to go apologize, right? And I just sat there, no, <laughs> I do not. If she hadn't fill in the blank, I wouldn't have needed to. Now, what happened is there's a rift, right? Between us, there's a separation. And it's on me to repair it because I broke it. She didn't break it. That's my job. Thankfully, after about 10 or 15 minutes of stewing, I finally got up and went over to her and was like, hey, I screwed up and I'm sorry, I yelled at you. That would have been great if that was like the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) But I hadn't heard her yet. Heard, not hurt, I had hurt her. I hadn't heard her yet. So she needed to tell me how that hurt and offended her. I'll come back to that story in just a minute, but I want you to have that picture in your mind. Because when somebody hurts you or offends you, it's their job to come and repair it. And it's great if they get convicted to do it, but sometimes you have to go to them. Like with my wife's text message that I shared earlier about the pizza. She texted me like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? There was obviously some stuff I took out of those texts and I got her permission before I used it. But the whole point was she came to me because I didn't come to her first. Hey, what's up? Now, because I'm working on this sermon it's top of mind, and I owned it quickly, but I, I can't say that's always been the case. Sometimes I'm, I'm slow to repent, slower than I should be. Now, I say that because Proverbs 19.11 says this, a person's wisdom yields patience. In other words, if you're wise, you'll be patient. That's basically what it means. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. There are a number of things that will happen in your life that it's to your wisdom to just overlook it let it go let it go don't don't hold it back anymore just let it go now you'll know if it's that kind of offense or if it's one you have to confront because if you can't let it go then it's probably one to confront if you're able and listen there's a lot of you who just you're people pleasers so you never want to confront anything so in your opinion everything is just that kind of offense and that's not true But if it's constantly in your mind or it comes up or when another fight or another thing happens and it's there and it's there and it just keeps coming up, coming up, it's not something you are successfully overlooking. It's something it's time to confront. That's the wisdom that I have for you on that. And then when it's time to go and do that, you have to go to them and have a very hard conversation. And I'll talk about that in just a minute, but... I want you to have this perspective that if somebody, let's say your spouse comes to you and confronts you about something. James 5, 16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I think these two things are critical, right? If you mess up, you fess up. That's one rule. That's the first rule. But the second rule is how do I make it right? Right? How do I repair what is broken? How do I fix what went wrong? And so after I have confessed, there's this conversation, right? Confess your sins to each other and then pray for each other that you may be healed. What this means is, and I don't always do this well, but honestly, in a really healthy situation, if my wife confronted me about something, she would pray over me, forgiving me. And it's powerful and effective. But what normally happens when my wife comes to me and confronts me about something I've done? Probably the same thing that happens to you. So I, I, long ago, I heard um, Pastor Mark Scott give a sermon in my last church, and I'll, I'll never forget this illustration. I don't remember anything else he said, just like you won't remember most of what I said, but maybe one thing will stick. But he said, God wears two hats all the time, and he wears the hat of justice and the hat of mercy. Now, here's the thing. God asks us to always pick up the hat of mercy there are passages in the scriptures that say, that it, God says, it is his to avenge. It is his to repay, says the Lord. So we are kind to people when they're mean, because in doing so, we keep burning coals on their heads. There's this whole thing I don't have time to unpack going on there. But he gave this analogy. He said, and he actually walked up, and he took a hat off, and he set it down over there, and he took this hat off, and he set it down over here. He said, this hat's the hat of mercy, and this hat's the hat of justice. Now, when somebody hurts us and wrongs us, what we do is we go get back at them because we want justice. So if you're going to do that, then I'm going to do this, and I'm justified in doing it because of what you did. And then what happens is, when the confrontational conversation comes, we say, well, yeah, well, I wouldn't have needed to do that if you hadn't done this. And we feel justified in our hearts and minds. He said, the problem is, when we pick up the hat of justice, we only leave one hat left for God to pick up, and that's the hat of mercy. And oh, does it drive us crazy. Because when we see God being merciful and gracious to people that we think need justice, it it makes us mad. We see God blessing and providing and doing good things to a person's life. Oh, it just makes us bitter because God, I wanted you to get them. And God's going, I wanted to bring justice. You didn't let me. You took it into your hands to extract justice and instead of letting me work on it. So I picked up the hat of mercy. Oh, that has changed me so dramatically what would it look like in your marriage if you were to pick up the hat of mercy and wear that, knowing that the goal of the fight and the confrontation we're about to have is not about me winning. It's about you and me being restored and renewed and reconnected again. Because remember, healthy homes, yes, we're gonna have a rift, but we need to have successful repairs. So my goal in the confrontation is, how do I win you back to me? How do I get us back on the same page, back on the same team? So now, I want to walk you through a process that I had to be taught at some point by a professional counselor. It was very, very helpful to me. But before I can actually teach you that process, which could revolutionize your life if you decide to start practicing this, I need to remind you of this. God gave us two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately. One gentleman said to me at the last service, actually there were two gentlemen who were uh, very hard of hearing, nearly deaf in one ear, said, well, technically I only have one good ear. Does that mean I still get to use them proportionately? (laughs) I said, I have some openings two weeks from now. (laughs) Bring your wife in. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You have two ears, one mouth. Listen more. Talk less. Do you get it? James 1.19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. everyone, everyone, she be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. If you get nothing else out of today besides tacos, get this one. Because this has the potential to revolutionize the fighting in your marriage and in your home. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And then he goes on, he says, verse 20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So, if you find yourself getting upset and angry about something, just know there's a really good chance. Now, there is something called righteous anger, right? Where you are angry at evil and sin that is wrecking a person's life. But the hope there is you are angry at the sin that is wrecking their life. You're attacking the sin, not the person. Make sense? All right, I learned this from John Knoll, this part. John Knoll, who used to be on staff here. John Knoll, uh, when he would get with couples who were having a really hard time and they couldn't get over the hump, he would call this the coin trick. And so he would just bring out a coin. It's just a quarter here. And he would say, you're not allowed to talk unless you're holding the coin. I highly recommend you try. If you are so stuck, you can't figure out how to have a conversation, go get yourself a coin. And whoever's holding the coin gets to talk. And men, I recommend you let her talk first. Step one, when you have, when you aren't holding the coin, they've got the coin. Step one, you're going to empathetically hear them to understand. What that means is you're just going to let them talk and talk and talk and talk. (laughs) Careful, someone said. (laughs) Now, this could take five minutes or five hours. It doesn't matter. I know some of you are like, I don't have time for that. Then make time. Because if you have time for your car, and if you have time for your work, you have time for your sports, you have time for your hobbies, if you have time for social media, if you have time for shopping, you have time. That's about what you value. Make time for it. You will know that you've heard them when, A, they're done speaking and you didn't interrupt. Again, if you're healthy, this will probably take you 15 to 20 minutes, maybe up to an hour on a really funky thing. If you're unhealthy, don't be surprised if at first it takes a couple hours to get through this first step. Where every guy, okay, that's not fair, I don't know every guy. Where many guys struggle is they'd want to jump past the step and immediately get to step three. But that's where we start to fix the problem, right? We'll we'll get to that. Just take a deep breath. Just be in the moment. So you're going to just let them speak. You're not going to interrupt them. The whole part about empathetically listening, you're going to give verbal cues that you're listening So there's a huge difference between listening and hearing, right? Listening is when you're talking, I'm doing the dishes. I'm watching TV. I'm playing on my phone. I'm fixing the car. I'm doing a hobby. I'm not really engaged in what you're saying. I'm just in the room. And every once in a while, I can spit back what you said to make you think I'm listening. Hearing is what we're going for. You're going to be hearing them. So you're actually paying attention, maybe sitting down and face-to-face, whatever works for you. So the second thing you're going to do is you're going to, you think you, sorry, you're, you're ready to go to step two when you think you understand what they're saying. You think you understand. That doesn't mean you're ready to go to number two yet. You're, you're hearing them to the point where you're like, okay, because what happens is as soon as they come to you and confront you or bring something up, you automatically in your mind, you assume you know what they're saying and you've already jumped step three. I want you to come back to step one and just say, I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to listen because I want to fix this. I want to love you. I want you to know that I love you. You're gonna use empathy here. You're gonna use phrases like, wow, man, that sounds really hard you seem really irritated. And then step three, or number three, not step three, when you think you understand why they're saying it, like you've listened enough, again, 20 minutes in, an hour in, two hours in, that you don't just understand what they're saying, but you think you're understanding the why behind what they're saying. It's going to change things. Now, when you get all of that This is kind of like you as you're receiving it. And you're giving these verbal cues back, these empathetic, oh, that sounds really hard. You seem really irritated. I bet that's really frustrating for you. Then you're going to go to step two. We're not even at step three, men. Step three is where you fix the problem. We're not there yet. You're not ready to go there yet. But step two, when you get to step two, here's what you're going to do. You're going to put yourself in their shoes and affirm their thoughts, their ideas, and their feelings. Where we tend to go wrong is they're expressing it, and you automatically jump to why they're wrong, and you've got a, a different side of the story. If you do this well, you'll get to your side of the story, but not until they get to their side of the story. And this is so frustrating because if you're really broken and really burned, it's really hard to just sit there and listen when you know there's more information. But a wise person will do this without quarreling, knowing that I really wanna be reunited with you again. So this part is critical. The feelings, the ideas, the thoughts could be any number of things. So just some tips that'll help you. I want you to use wow before you use how. Use wow before how. There's a lot of ways this could apply, Like, right? Like somebody comes to you like, hey, baby, I had this great idea. We're gonna go on vacation. Instead of going, how in the world are we gonna pay for vacation? That's what's wrong with you. You don't even care about our money, right? You're gonna say, wow, wow. I love that you have a vision for our family to go and be together in Hawaii. You're gonna start with the wow. But what about this? Like, wow, I had no idea I was making you feel that way. Do you hear how that's, Way different than, you're crazy. (laughs) Sounds a little different, right? Or how about, wow, that must be really hard for you. I'm so sorry. I haven't haven't necessarily owned anything yet. That'd be step three. I, I can see now, putting on your shoes, when I come in 30 minutes later than I said I would, and I'm still on the phone working, and... You're trying to get dinner ready, and I walk in the door, I I could see why that would be really frustrating. If I were the one making the food and had everything ready to go and the family ready to go, I could see why. I could see how, you know, you, you work too, and you were really stressed, but you came home and prioritized the family, and I could see why it felt like I didn't. It doesn't matter that you got elastic a last-second call from your boss and you had no choice but to take the call. You'll get to that. You're just going to put yourself in their shoes for a minute and say, if I were you, I bet I would feel that way too. I'm sorry. The next thing you're going to do, aren't you love this? Aren't you glad we're doing this? <laughs> the next thing you're going to do is uh, you're going to reflect back to them what you heard them say. You are not ready to go to step three until you reflect it back to them. And you're going to test this. There's a number of ways to test this. Here's just some phrases you could use. Like, it sounds like you're really irritated when I, and then fill in the blank. Like, when I do this. Or it sounds like you are really missing having a connection with me. Am I, am I hearing you right? Is that right? Is that what you're saying? And if they say, yes, well done, you successfully <laughs> completed step one and two. If they say, no, that's not at all what I'm saying. See, this is what's wrong with you. You never listen to me. Just say, hang on, I get it. Can you help me? Because I want to understand. So if you misunderstood, I want you to go all the way back to step one. This won't take you five hours. But just say, can you help me understand again? Because apparently I'm not getting it. And I want to get it because I love you. And you're important to me. And the more that you can stress, you're important to me. You're important to me. You're important to me. We don't have to keep going this way. The better it's going to be. Again, it's still their quarter. It's still their coin. You asking clarifying questions is not taking it over. When you start to take it over, it's not time yet. We're not step three yet. When we get step three, then we can start to take the quarterback. It's my turn now, but it is not your turn yet. Ready? Let's go to step three. So if you've successfully completed all that, when you get to step three, here's what's going to happen. You're going to seek resolution on how to move forward. It's that simple, but it's not simple at all. Because here's what many of us do wrong is when, especially men, when your wife comes to you and she's got something she's frustrated with or something she's dealing with, it could be you, it could be the kids, it could be work, it could be whatever it is, what you want to do is you want to tell her what she needs to do with it, as if she's not intelligent and trained and wise also. And a lot of times she'll look at you and say, I don't need you to fix it, I just wanted you to listen. And you're going, then why'd you bring it to me if you didn't want me to fix it? And could it just be that God made men and women unique and also made it so that iron sharpens iron? And could it be that God put you in a relationship together with these unique differences between you? Not so that you could just say, well, I don't know what's wrong with her. I don't know what's wrong with him. He never cares about me. But instead, so you two could engage each other and say, maybe the differences between us is part of God's plan for our home. So, This is what it would look like in step three. Instead of saying, well, here's what you need to go do. It's how can I help you? That's got to be really frustrating. I get why you're so tired. I get why you're so overwhelmed. I get why you're so stressed. It's not, you're not going to turn it back on yourself. Well, you think I'm not busy. You think I'm not stressed. You think I'm not grieving that too. It's, man. I'm so sorry. There is something crazy powerful in being heard, and there is something crazy demotivating about being unheard. How about this one? What can I do differently next time? Now I get it. Like I used an illustration just a few minutes ago. It was real for me. I'd come in the door, and when I'd tell Rachel I'm going to be home between you know five and five fifteen, I live five minutes from home or I call her at, you know, quarter till say, Hey, I'm going to leave right at five or whatever it is. But then I don't stroll into the door till five 30. And then I come in the door and I'm on the phone and she's trying to make dinner and get the little kids all wrangled together. And, um, and I just asked her like, you know, what could I do different? And she's like, you know, it'd be really helpful. If something comes up and you have to take that call, could you not come in the door on the phone? Because the little kids don't understand daddy's home and they want to run up and they want to see dad. And I want to see my husband. You know what would be better is if you just stay outside, finish your call, and then come in. And I did that. And then I was doing it on such a regular basis that then we had to have a second conversation where it's like, you know, when you tell me you're going to be home at this time and then you're not, it's really frustrating and I don't know what to trust and what not to trust. So then there had to be this conversation with me around like, okay, I need to be a man of my word. And so if those phone calls or those things come up, like it's, it's okay for me to tell that person, I can't talk right now. I have other commitments. And I need to do this. And I'll follow up with that later. Does that make sense? So what can I do differently next time? My natural response, of course, when these conversations come up, is be very angry and very defensive. You have no idea what I'm trying to deal with and what I'm trying to carry. And is that helping anybody? Of course not. So last one, is there anything that I could do to make this right? And this is where, if you go back to that playground situation where I snapped at my wife I immediately thought, like, I I don't know, if my wife wanted me to go to our neighbors and and talk to them, I would have, but I don't know how many of them were listening or heard. But I did know that there were two little boys out there who heard their daddy yell at their mom. And I was terrified that they would think that was okay. So I remember going over to my son's, she didn't ask me to, and I just got down, my son was playing in some sand at the time. And I remember getting down and saying, hey buddy, um, a little bit ago, I snapped at your mom and I yelled at her, And that's not okay. And we don't treat mommy like that. We don't talk to mommy like that. And um, I did the same thing with the other one. And I remember one of them looked at me and he said, Yeah, daddy, why'd you do that? And I said, I'm your dad. Shut up. You don't get to ask me questions. No, I didn't. I looked at him and I said, Because I'm a sinner. And your dad doesn't always get it right either. But I want to model for you what it's like to talk to your mom and treat her with respect. And I don't always get it right, guys. In fact, this week, um, I was so excited. I'm sitting next to my wife on the couch because we got this wisdom I just shared with you from a professional counselor. We went through a hard season. so we reached out to somebody for help. And I love it. The counselor, he looked at us. He goes, you don't need me. You guys know what you need to do. You just need to go do it. And that was super encouraging. I needed to hear that. But also, <clears throat> he said, but Matt, I'm going to teach you the three-step process where every man, just about every man I know, messes up. So there you go. And here's the thing. So I'm so excited to show my wife. I work hard. We'd already had our spat. It was that same night. I'm showing her the outline of the sermon on my phone. I'm like, hey, look at this. And I'm, I'm like waiting for her to go, that's great job, baby. You killed it. And she goes, you know, you still don't get it. <laughs> and I go, and we had a, a, a hard conversation. And, uh, and I said, what do you mean? She goes, you're still missing the identifying my feelings and all of it. You're still so quick to get to step three. And so I'm telling you that to say, guys, I'm standing up here telling you what others have taught me, but I'm still struggling to practice it. And I reached back out to my wife, I think it was the next day, just said, I love you so much. Thank you for being so gracious and patient with me while I continue to learn how to love you better. I'm telling you that because we're two people who are still trying to 24 years in figure out how to love each other better. You could do this. We believe in the God of the impossible. You just have to prioritize it enough to say, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to love you and serve you until the day Jesus comes back to take us home. Now, Here's what I know. This message is gonna land in a lot of different places in your life. And this week, as I was writing this message, God impressed on me the need for me to do this. And I don't know how it's gonna go. But I wanna be really bold right now. And I want to pray over you if you need it. And I'm just going to ask, if you need prayer, would you just stand? And men, I will always encourage you to go first. Take your wife's hand, say, let's stand. I don't know what's going on or what made you stand or what's going on in your home your marriage but we believe that god is real that he's actually here in this room with us right now and he wants to come alongside you in whatever it is you're facing and whatever it is you're dealing with you are not alone jesus says i am with you to the very end so he's with you let's pray like he's actually listening and like he actually wants to help and prayer actually makes a difference Father God, you know every single story of those who stood and even those who didn't feel safe enough to stand. God, my prayer right now is that you would come in like only you could do and bring those big old arms of Heavenly Father wrap around each and every person and just hold them close and let them know I am with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. I am with you. And God, I pray right now. I pray for those who are going through marital struggles. I pray for humility in their marriage. I pray for some hard conversations. I pray for them to practice even just one-tenth of what they've heard today, God, that they would listen to each other and take turns and seek to understand before they're understood. God, give them the patience that their enemy is going to want to get in there and rip them apart and and whisper lies. Don't do it. They'll never change. It's never going to work. God, get in there and whisper truths that you are with them. And what is impossible for man is possible with God. Lord, do something that only can be described as a work of the Holy Spirit. God, we tend to think of miracles as healings. God, let this be that kind of thing. It's a miraculous healing of what is broken so that, God, we could testify to the next generation about your goodness and your faithfulness and your ability to change our lives in the here and the now as we seek to practice your word and your ways. God, I pray for the men in this room to be so bold in loving their wife that they, they would feel empowered to plug into you so that their kids and their wife could plug into them and get what they need because they are so deeply connected to you. And their humility of hearing and receiving a good word from a good wife, iron sharpening iron, would not at all put them off or offend them. God, I pray for the boldness of the wise not to be dripping faucets and rain, hitting the roof and quarreling all the time, but instead to bring into their home this deep love and connection that you've gifted women to bring. God, I pray for all of the single people in the room who've endured this series up to this point. God, would you meet them in the place where they are? Take the wisdom of the service, God, and let it be useful to them in their everyday life. Thank you for being such a good and present father. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you just clap for everybody who stood? Stay up, stay up, stay up. Everybody get up, everybody get up. We're gonna close our service, okay? just a couple really quick things. If you stood or didn't stand and you want to talk and pray with somebody, our connect team will be on my right and on my left down here at these tables. Would you just go down there and talk to them? You can share as much as you want to share, but you don't have to be alone. When you uh, leave today in our little connect corner, sorry, event corner, not connect corner, event corner, we have the two TVs. It's got like the gray wood on the walls. We've got a number of resources. We've got date night boxes. If you're like, we don't know how to do a date night that's not dinner and a movie. Swing by there and just look at it. We don't make any money on them. We'll just point you on how to get one if you wanna buy one. You can find information about the, the Weekend to Remembers. And remember, you can text the word marriage to 317-565-4911 and give us some feedback. And you can also find more information about Care to Change right there. I love you guys so much. Thank you for, thank you for being a church that seeks Jesus. See you next week.